This podcast may contain offensive content. You have been warned. Welcome to the Diecast Podcast. I am your host and DM Johnny, and this is Tales from Troll Skull, Episode 7. And this is a brand new group, a brand new adventure we're bringing to you. So buckle up, get ready for the ride. But before we start, we have a couple of things to go over. First off, we had some technical issues with the episodes that we recorded. So Episode 8 and Episode 10 we're unfortunately eaten by OBS recording software, which is how we record or we, how we used to record all our game sessions together. We did our best to try and recover them. We recovered most of episode 10, but episode eight is pretty much a wash. We've sent them out to a video and audio repair company, and hopefully they can get back to us in time to see if we can get everything fixed. So we apologize for that. So there's going to be some disruption for episode nine and for episode 10, but we're going to do a roundtable wrap up episode and kind of have an RP session for everybody. So just so you know, this adventure is going to be broken up just a little bit. Episode eight gone. Most of episode or about half of episode 10, we were able to recover and fingers crossed that it uh, goes all right in the end. But if we do recover the episodes, we will post them up. We'll let everybody know that, hey, we were able to recover the sound and uh, hopefully we'll get the, the full story going. But we have changed our recording software. We have changed some habits and hopefully we won't run into those problems again. So fingers crossed. Uh, sorry for this disruption. There was some amazing RP and some amazing battles that happened. And unfortunately, they've been lost to the nether for now. The second thing we want to talk about is TCAF. The Toronto Comic Arts Festival is coming back to town. Well, online, a virtual conference, if you will. TCAF is going online this year and is going to be going from May 8th to May 15th. And you can go to torontocomics.com and you can register for seminars, for courses, just to see what's going on in the industry. See a couple of your favorite artists and writers uh, just talking some comics and sharing their knowledge and their experiences to better help grow and better help promote the comics industry. So COVID has forced a major change, but it is still going to be a great time. So remember, torontocomics.com, go there to register right now so you can join in all the fun and have an awesome, awesome TCAF that our, our own Miles Baker uh, has helped bring to the world. So I hope everyone gets a chance to check it out. And before we jump into the episode, just a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at Diecast Podcast. Please give us a follow. You can find us on any app that plays a podcast. Again, 
the best thing you can do to help us out is leave a rating review that helps us out so so much you can also find us on our own website at www.flyingthirdstudio.com you can keep up to date on all the episode and all the news that we do as well as links to our youtube channel and our discord where we have lots of cool things happening lots of cool discussions a lot of art being shared around so come on in join the community say hi and let's just talk some DD. let's check let's talk some general nerdery uh but that is it for now i will see you all next week next week is technically going to be episode nine with a small little recap of what happened in episode eight so fingers crossed that this all flows smoothly together i love everybody wear a mask wash your hands and get vaccinated if you can i will see you next week i love y'all Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Diecast Podcast, Tales from Troll Skull Group 3, as we continue on our series of one-shot adventures. Uh, we have a whole new uh, cast of people that we're going to go around. Uh, we're playing via Roll20, so I'm just going to go around my screen and get you to introduce yourselves and your character. You can say as much or as little as you wish. So starting in my upper left is longtime uh, cast member of the show, producer of the show, Miles Baker. Who are you, you thought you got rid of me. I tried. I tried so hard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. It's me again. Uh, I'm back once again, this time playing a human artificer, Pishu. Very cool. All right. And to his right in my center, top center, uh, is everyone's favorite barbarian, Steph. Hello. Uh, I am back and I am playing Una, the Bardbarian, who this is, I, I mean, if you're listening to this and you've listened to the previous episodes, you know that I was attempting to be a Bardbarian, but the whole shtick was very bad at the Bard portion of things. But I keep rolling very well on all my that's Bard so stuff. Crazy. So like, that's not really panning out. Uh, <laughs> uh, now she's like, a good a really good adventurer that's also a mediocre to exceptional bard so but with a triangle so just her instrument of choice is a triangle so it is a magical um, triangle like it's somewhere between mediocre and phenomenal <laughs> <laughs> a real nice range it's fluctuating quite a bit but it's more on the good side of things which was not where i thought this was gonna go when i decided to become a very bad bard <laughs> all right thank you very much steph and to her right uh first time playing dungeons and dragons at, ever uh thank you so much for joining us uh mio who are you Hi. and what are you playing and thank you so much for joining us Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. All right. Well, I'm going to be playing Maraxis Arad. I'm a dragonborn sorcerer. Um, I'm not sure after talking to a lot of pros if sorcerer was a good way to go, but I'm excited for the spell portion. Um, just a little bit about me. Uh, I'm a ferocious wanderer of the untrodden ways. Um, apparently, uh, despite my self-sufficiency, I tire of the life alone. So I am looking for a clan. So I'm very excited for this journey. And um, I'm excited to be the newbie of this group. So nice. <laughs> Yay. And, and I also then. get the sorceress thing. Yeah, like. you're in very good company. You are the third person who is beginning their D&D career on this podcast with a sorcerer. Oh, my God. Okay, okay. I feel better now. I feel better. <laughs> it's kind of a tradition now, I should think about it. Yeah. 
Uh, and now shifting down. Thank you very much, Mia. Uh, shifting down uh, to my bottom left is Laura. Laura, who are you and what are you playing? Hi. Yeah, I'm playing Madrigal. Uh, she is a tiefling paladin who is very into books and loves memorizing poems and is just very into the written word. Nice. And your mini uh, is beautifully painted as well. Thank you very much for sharing. Oh, thank you. Uh, and to to round us out, down on my lower right is Henry. Henry, who are you and what are you playing? Hey, everyone. My name is Henry Barajas. Um, I am playing as a dwarf uh, tiefling, and I wish I could tell you more, but my character sheet was refusing to load. Oh, wait. Let me <laughs> give you access. Miles, what's your character again while we're waiting? Uh, so I'm playing uh, a artificer named Pishu, which is named after my childhood cat. Oh. I don't even know what an artificer is. It is a new class uh, that they added in the, the most recent book. Oh. Uh, okay. And so, uh, you know, uh, for background on from our past, this character comes from that. Remember that, like, uh, the House of Inspired Hands, that, like, church of... Uh, like mechanical things that is like his background oh, okay 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 yeah so i animate <laughs> mechanical things Mostly... i was like so good like i feel like i've been like trying to like as we keep playing i'm like yeah i know what that is now yeah i know what that is and then <laughs> you come in here and you're like i'm gonna be this and i'm like i don't know what that is yeah i'm uh at level three, this character will be like an Iron Man character, but uh, at level one, uh, he is very weak. <laughs> uh, are you? Can you access your character sheet? Yeah, I can. can. I can. Thank you. Perfect. I got some. I got some fun things. So I'm kind of a support class to start. All right. So I will uh, set the scene as it is spring in Waterdeep. Uh, the seasons are changing. Summer is slowly around the corner, and winter is fading away uh, in everyone's rearview mirror as uh, the tides and times are changing. Uh, Waterdeep is full and busier more than ever now with uh, people. It is as inclusive and representative as you can think as there are all various races walking around the streets from humans to elves to goblins to gnolls uh, to ogres and orcs. It is a mosaic of what uh Faerun and the the sword coast represents and everyone's there living their life doing their business as we take ourselves up to the northern ward or the north ward in Waterdeep to Trollskull Manor where their new adventuring uh capitalist idea is uh starting to take 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 root they've had a couple of successful adventures happen already um, and uh, Una, you are in the classic meeting area. For everyone else, this is kind of like a section of a tavern or restaurant that has been uh, partitioned off with some velvet ropes, some basic just uh, restaurant chairs, just kind of arranged in two or three rows with a, um, a small little like podium uh, speaking area uh, sitting or just standing there waiting. So there's no one in the room except for uh, our group of adventurers uh, that are all just kind of hanging out. And from around the corner, you see uh, this uh, human woman show up, and she's wearing this elegant and long, massive gown with a train that just follows behind her. And the train looks like the waves of the ocean coming in, and it looks like 
it has this illusory animation to it as it looks like waves coming in and crashing upon the beach as the train of her dress goes from like these dark blues to light blues to like these sandy color as it kind of rises up and there's kind of like this color spectrum of uh, water to sand to grass to uh, leafy palm trees which then kind of merge and form into like these sky blue shoulders and this wonderful kind of like cotton cotton candy type of hair like this big white fluffy cloud uh and uh her makeup is done in like this glitter and sparkle of uh kind of like raindrops uh coming down the side of her face uh and una you know this is uh marley thorness the uh the uh liaison the adventure liaison officer for uh, troll skull manor as she comes walking in not uh not as daintily more just trying to keep her balance as uh the dress is giving her some mobility problems and she has her clipboard in the hands it's like hello hello my adventuring newbies welcome to the meeting i'm glad you are all here for this lovely lovely presentation i have a new mission for you all and based on previous successes you are all going to be superstars as she raises her hand in the air and the small little flourish of fireworks uh, not very big kind of you know kind of like c rank on, on the display factor uh, she says uh, i see some new faces and some old faces and i am very excited to organize this trip for you as you can tell it is a beach adventure as she just kind of how, like, how would we have been able to tell that uh, well, my lovely gown, of course. Oh, I see. Literally, like, I see. Yeah, okay. I'm making the connection now. I prefer to use my visual mediums in multi-layered functions. So I am also mm-hmm. expressing where you are going with how I am feeling. And also, I just love dressing like the ocean. Oh, oh that's a good look for you, Marley. Thank you, thank you. I I already know, and I just your waves of compl- of compliments lash upon me like the tides upon the sands. It feels so regressing and youthful to to hear all of it just crash down upon me. Okay, before we get started, I just want to say to everyone, the cinnamon buns are great. Let's just skip over that. Let's maybe like bring around those out so that we can like eat while we talk. Is that cool, Marley? It's like, oh, yes, yes. Uh, and who I be building the cinnamon buns to? I mean, you you can't just do us a solid this time. Like, come on. Give me a persuasion check, Una. Okay. <laughs> Super easy. Oh, no. I only have a one in this, though. Just need a ten. You just need a ten. <laughs> no! Didn't I say? I said, I was like, digital dice are always good to me, but now I've jinxed it and I'm going to roll ones forever. And of course, my first roll is a one for a total of two. You see, uh, Marley hold up her finger. Yes, and we're not going to sit at once. First rule of entrepreneurship, uh, Una, is you don't make money by cutting checks or sticky buns for free. Well, they're not really your sticky buns, are they? You're just, like, working out of here. Well, then I do not have permission to send them out for free if we go by that logic. However, I do have, and she holds out a very familiar brand envelope, a coupon for a free side. 
with any order over 27. But that's, I am just droning on. I should be assigning you the quest, assigning you the mission that you should all be engaged with. I do believe you are being paid 100 gold pieces each with an opportunity for bonuses. And bonuses are the variety of life. Would one of those bonuses be some some of uh, those rolls you mentioned? Could we get those up front? Uh, well, <laughs> you could afford many many cinnamon buns with the bonuses that would be available. Uh, but your mission, your quest, is to head on down to the docks, and you'll be working as a caratay for a shipping company as they're trying to send some goods down to Chult. You would be essentially security for cargo and boxes. What's the catch? That sounds too easy. Uh, well, the catch is you're going down to Chult and there are pirates everywhere. Oh, okay. So that's the catch. D- uh, d- hold on. <laughs> Sorry, I lost my voice. <laughs> would we be... <laughs> Are we getting room and board on the on the boat as well as return fare? Oh, oh yes, yes. Uh, Captain Moon uh, Moonstrift has made it very clear that you are to be fed, you are to be housed, if you are providing security for her cargo. Sorry, who's our uh, contact there? This you are going to be under the work orders of the wonderful Captain Janiah Moonswift. She captains the Stargazer, a mighty fine vessel. And it will be easy to find down upon the docks, and it is the only boat without any masts. Uh, uh, The only boat without any masts? Correct. Is it like a rowboat? (laughs) Oh no, it is a full-on galleon. It has great cargo capacity. So you, so I, I'm just curious, who assigns the people? Like, I have an incredible brain, and you have me guarding boxes? Yes, for a hundred gold pieces. I mean, if you are as brain is incredible Good point, good point, hundred gold pieces. Yes, I understand, yes. For watching over boxes. What are in the boxes? Uh, I believe that is a confidentiality agreement uh, with Captain Moonswift. But from mm-hmm. what I understand so, is that she has been commissioned to send down supplies to an adventuring party who has been uh, had a rough go in the jungle. And so you're going huh. to do kind of a, a drop-off. Okay. So we're just going there and coming right back. It's going to be really easy. In theory, yes. Okay. Is there anything else we should know about this? Uh, it's going to get warm. Uh, further south you go so maybe but also okay. it will get cold upon the ocean I would so say it'll be it... both hot and cold correct <laughs> all right do you have a coat i can borrow just in case i get really cold actually we do one of the things trollscar manor will supply for you are the basics of necessities Gerard's Outrigging Supply Company has assigned us all these wonderful items as you see kind of like this uh, coat rack come floating out and this kind of large puffy uh, 
kind of like spring winter jacket comes out the, it's gray whitish but the one thing you do notice is like this big black and gold glittery garrods logo on the back that kind of just stands out um it's it's a little intrusive uh intrusive to your eyes it, it just it's a little garish it just kind of stands kind of kicks your head back a little bit like oh my goodness that's a that's a large logo that's that's def- that's definitely them that's uh yeah it's like so we're being provided basic necessities but not food oh no you have food upon the ship actually their chef's their chef upon the ship has quite the reputation he is quite an excellent cook okay that was the follow-up question like what kind of reputation so like i'm glad you cleared that up <laughs> i personally recommend the refried troll fingers they're a meal that never stops filling you okay uh, I don't remember what else I was going to say. <laughs> well, what other items are provided for us besides the coats? Uh, which, whichever items you need. You can take swords and daggers and uh, rations, although you will be supplied food on the ship. Um, mm. Just about anything. Magical items are not supplied. Darn it. <laughs> um, Juano takes a coat, and it's a little too long for his arms. And it's like dragging on the floor, yeah. like a like a toddler wearing their Wait, what's your clothes. character's name? Juano? Juano. Juano, okay. I just made it up. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I was pretty sure you didn't actually tell us what your character's name was. Uh, Theater of the Mind. All right, well, uh, I don't know. You guys want to get out of here? Yes, I'm quite excited to see how this sailless boat operates. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a little confused about that, too. I, uh, you know, want to keep an open mind, but... You know, sails seem like a thing you need in masts. Although you didn't say that they don't have sails. As long as we don't have to row the boat, I think I'll be okay. Yeah, that's extra. Yeah. Like, a lot extra. Agreed. Uh, everyone give me an insight check right now. I'm gonna roll a one. <laughs> confidence, confidence! <gasps> oh! 20! Oh! Dirty 20. Um, trying to if, find my... if you go to your sheet and you go to the skills box, you just gotta click on oh, another 20. Boom. Oh, here we go. Okay. Oh, everybody. Dang. Not except except for Pishu, who rolls an 8. Mia's <laughs> <laughs> like... first roll is a nat 20. Yeah, that's wow. pretty good. Yeah, that's <laughs> first roll ever. Nice. Sorry for doing it so many times, I turned off the sound and couldn't hear it click through. <laughs> everybody, yeah, everybody rolled a 20 except for... All right, Maraxis. I'm, 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 I'm tinkering with my magical devices. <laughs> <laughs> Maraxis, well, you notice this more than anything, but Marley has just the biggest grin on her face. Um, you know she's keeping a secret from you. It's it's clear as day. You don't get any attention to malice or um, or deceit behind her, but she's 
it's got she's got that feeling like like almost like she has a surprise party like there's a grand surprise for you that she uh she knows you're gonna like uh but is just refusing to tell and has not been as coy as she as she would have liked to have been her poker face right now is okay interesting well una just kind of just like all right well let's get out of here let's go check this out Good luck, my brave adventurers on the high seas. A wink. I love you all. <laughs> be safe. Be cautious. And of course, be representing the brand at all times. I please. Advertising is the spice of life. <laughs> if you don't have that, then everything is just rather bland. I'm pretty sure that ghost guy over there would argue that the spices are the spices of life, but all right, let's go. Very true. You know what? I think I'm going to have a sticky bunt. You're <laughs> being very rude oh. right now. Just very rude. You could have just left it at goodbye. You see her turn. Her train just kind of like catches and drags, and she leaves the room, and about 15 seconds later, the rest of her train follows out with the, the waves of the ocean chasing after her. All right, well... Uh, what do you say? Let's all head down to the docks? Let's do it. Yeah, I'm interested to see this ship. All right, you head on down to the docks. Uh, as you make your way down, you head through the various districts. Uh, it is a packed day in Waterdeep. Springtime has brought out all the people. Uh, and as you make your way down, trade is in full effect. The the new uh, the new members of the Luskin Alliance, to the, to the Lord's Alliance, have seen uh, naval trade increase a hundredfold there is literally lineups of boats uh coming in to pick up gear or pick up cargo drop off cargo it is a highly orchestrated bureaucratic machine that you are walking through um and the directions you get for the stargazer very quickly take you from the very prim and orderly having to like step and walk and going through like all these very distant wagon trains of just boxes and crates and carts and carriages going back and forth and cranes lifting off cargoes and everything like that um that you start to very quickly leave this busy bustling business area of the dock ward of Waterdeep, and you start to notice that the ships begin to thin out a little bit um the uniforms start to slowly fade away the the paved streets of the dock ward begin to turn more cobblestony more uneven more puddly more people throwing their sewage out of the windows in the morning as you start to realize you've come into the more seedier part of the dock ward um you do attract some attention uh, especially with uh uh with your dwarven compatriot uh uano uh with his big garish uh garrod's logo on his back but you do find the stargazer and it definitely you miss it a couple of times when you walk by but the profile of the ship is it looks like your standard galleon but there are absolutely no masts on the ship uh and what you assume the the master of arms is this uh big tall human got big broad shoulders he's probably in his like mid to late 50s um got the big bushy mustache with the handlebars that go up to uh up to his ears and just salt and pepper hair that comes down to uh, uh, his shoulder length. And just one of those guys who has been lifting heavy things his entire life, he's got Popeye-sized forearms and just 
tattoos that go all the way at the side but he's dressed for he's dressed for the weather he's got a he's got a clipboard and he sees and motions you over and he's like oi uh you are you the uh the the hired help from Trollscott Manor uh I pull out one of my magical tinkering devices and I uh it then broadcasts an image of the logo like yes we're currently representing the brand <laughs> Excellent. Juano just turns around and points at his back, like, "What do you think?" I think you've come prepared. All right, my name's Radass. Uh, I'm the uh, master of arms for the Stargazer. Uh, bring you on aboard. Uh, and as you look around, you can see that uh, on the uh, side doors or on the side, the the flanks of the ship, you see like these big sliding doors open up, and you see like these big crates being wheeled up. Uh, by dwarves and gnomes and humans uh, into the, the cargo area. As you walk up the gangplank, uh, you can see that the crew is not exactly the biggest, and maybe they're not all on the top deck. Um, you see uh, a human, uh, a goblin. There is an elf sitting on the uh, banister on the on the far side of the boat, uh, and she's got kind of like this bluish skin. Uh, she's barefoot with like kind of like holding her knees, just looking out over the ocean. Um, she's got these uh, these leather leather anklets and leather bracelets uh, around her, uh, not wearing clothing that suits the weather, but you can see uh, just the rhythm in her hair that her hair flows, and you think it's the wind, but it's actually it's beginning to notice that it's the current and tide of the ocean that uh, is actually moving in sync. Her hair is moving in in synchronicity with. Um, as you stop to look at her. You look up onto the aft, the aft castle deck, or the poop deck, if you will, and there is this uh, high up. As she's standing there, she's wearing um, uh, a leather jacket, uh, come uh, like three-quarter jacket with like big black and brown lapels. She's wearing the the tri-corner hat. She's got this magnificent golden hair that comes down in a braid that comes down to about her waist, and she's got this beautiful golden brown skin, but it's got these little, just little marks of gold where like various scars on her face as she holds her hands behind her back. Uh, and she says, welcome aboard. I'm Ken- I'm Captain Janiah Moonswift and you are now employees of the Stargazer. Well, aren't we kind of like, you know, like employees of marley just like you know the whole thing and is are we really like employees or are we like freelancers is there like any you know while you're under while you're on the ship you are under my protection and you follow my rules and my orders is that clear yeah Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. good good so we get two paychecks then no you get one paycheck for me plus any bonuses I'm incentivized. Can I'm you elaborate that. on bonuses? I have a mission. I have an objective. And I like to see it done. If you do it sufficiently and without peril and you impress me with your work, I will pay you. Are there buns? Actually, yes, there are buns down in the galley below. <laughs> Say no more. All my dreams are coming true. I've had a craving for sticky buns all day, and you this lady was just like on the ground, and like kind of this resonating boom comes out. She says, 
We are to deliver a series of crates and supply packages to an adventuring crew down in the jungles of Chult. This is going to be a quick and brief run. The, most, the majority of the time will be spent over the ocean. We don't want to spend time there. In fact, as little time on the land in Chult, the better. It is a dangerous place to go and a dangerous place to be. So we will, uh, you will be in charge good. of security of the cargo. You will watch over it. You will keep it safe. And if it comes under any threat, you will defend it. Because these are literally going to save the lives of people who have been stuck in the jungle. If Why don't we just bring people from the jungle? Well, we offered them that, and they couldn't pay the price for it. So we're simply dropping off supplies for them. All right. So uh, supplies, like how, like what, what, the, what's the scale of these supplies? Uh, you see her point down, and she says, "Well, uh, some of the crates are, are rather large." Uh, so they will stay in the crate until the adventuring crew unboxes them as needed. Uh, and I will be paying you 100 gold for the safe delivery of all these supplies. And if you impress me along the way, you will receive a bonus of 50 gold. Okay. Can we see when we look at the boxes any hint of what's inside them? Oh, no. They're like they're very much like Indiana Jones uh, and... Uh, like those just generic brown crates on carts and ropes and stuff like that. So is there anything else we should know about this cargo that would help us to do our jobs? Essentially, and here, let me put you on the main page of the Stargazer. Bum, bum, bum. Bap. In roll 20. Ooh. That is the main deck, and you're down in the middle. Um, she said, the car, the cargo is non-dangerous, non-explosive, non-magical. Uh, it is just essentially survival supplies, food, fresh water, purifiers, rations, camping supplies. Uh, there is, however, a bit of a mimic infestation on the ship. And if you find... The mimics on the ship and bring proof that you have uh, got rid of them. There will be another fifty gold bonus in, in it for you. Okay, mimics. May I ask what a mimic is? Uh, yes, actually, I'll tell you uh, out of character later on. But give me a nature check, please. Or actually, for you, arcana check would work as well. Okay. Uh, did you say fifty each for the mimics, or? Just 50 straight up for proof that you got rid of them all. Okay. Uh, mm, that's, you know they're an <laughs> aberration type of creature. Okay. Um, they're uh, out of game, out of character. Mimics are essentially uh, shape-shifting creatures, and they're very sticky. So the classic is that they usually assort, uh, assume the shape of a treasure chest, and when an inventor tries to open up the treasure chest, they stick to it, and then the treasure chest eats them. So they had, Can I tell her what they are? Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you would have enough experience. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Do I have to do an inside check, or can I just tell her? Um, you know, I'll say give me an arcana or nature check real quick. Just a basic 10 is all you need. Boom. Oh, yeah. Go for it. 18. All right. So, yeah, I tell you everything I know about them, uh, which is quite a lot. Uh <laughs> You know, and so much information that it's coming out so fast 
that you're, you're you know you're you're only gathering you're gathering it all but but I, I'm speaking so fast you know like I can't even get out all the information that I know about mimics. <laughs> so now you know about them. But. Okay, thank you very much. I feel a little overwhelmed, but at least I I have an idea because I want those extra. I love a good bonus. I uh, see, Janai say, and one last formal piece of business is safety gear. We do offer safety gear to everybody on board. Uh, falling overboard is quite the hazard on this ship. So we do offer safety rigging and safety ropes that if you wish to attach yourself to the uh, to the rails uh, or to the uh, banisters on the ship, just let us know and we will have you hooked up and safely secured so you do not fall overboard. How many crew on average fall overboard on a voyage? Uh, it depends on the mission we take. Uh, if we do something evasive, if we encounter pirates, uh, monsters, it just depends on what we yeah. encounter. Yeah, Juano says yes, chain me up. Uh, you see uh, Janiya motion, and you see Rudas come out, and he's got kind of like this leather harness with like this long, thick rope. He's like, all right, you put on this harness, and uh, these ropes and cables, you just clip it in, and you will be fine. You're not going to be very mobile, but you will be fine. Uh, so essentially what this means is that if you ever have to make an acrobatic or dexterity save for the sake of like keeping your balance or staying on the ship, you just automatically pass. But you can never go more than 10 feet away from the side of the boat that you're, that you're attached to. Okay. okay. Uh, she says... Uh, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, speaking of pirates, Captain, what kind of danger should we anticipate on the high seas? You've hired security for a reason, I assume. Oh, yes. Uh, fortunately, the Stargazer is the fastest ship out there. So we run from 90% of the trouble that we come across. It's the trouble we can't see coming that sometimes gets us. Uh, we are well-armed and well-capable. Uh, and But the ship is definitely capable of holding its own so you don't need to worry about the ship uh the two uh the two off-limit areas are the uh my captain's my own uh captain's quarter and the uh the balloon room as you see your uh order the gangplank up it says all right let's hit the skies as you see the water around the stargazer begin to froth up and almost into like a, a boiling type type of a Emotion begins to spit up as you smell salt water and harbor water is being tossed into the air. As you feel the stargazer begin to shake and vibrate, as you feel it shudder beneath you, as it begins to lift into the air and out of the water, and you see these four kind of uh, propellers erupt from uh, underneath, uh, kind of like on these uh, these bars, and you just hear it kind of like this as you see this giant balloon begins to inflate underneath you, as you just feel the, t the, the bow of the ship tilt up as you go skyrocketing into the air. Uh, yeah, this is Pichu's best day ever. He cannot believe he is on an airship. He's read about these in books. He has never been on one. This is like his birthday times 10. Uh, Una like, kind of like has big wide eyes and is like, I'll take one of those harnesses too. <laughs> you see Janaya smile like they always get there's someone always gets one after we take off um, <laughs> look, look 
I'm not a coward. I'm just being smart. You know, like <laughs> water's one thing, but no one's going to survive falling from an airship. So like, I'm no good to you dead. Am I? <laughs> uh, you see rat ass come up. I actually read about some people that are good dead in a book once. <laughs> okay. You're not helping. Uh, Red Ass comes over and hands you uh, a harness. Essentially, you can just wear the harness anytime you want, but you gotta latch on a rope to um, to the side of the ship uh, wherever cool, you go. Cool, cool. Um, as she says, uh, you look back and you can see actually this beautiful cityscape of Waterdeep, just kind of like quickly getting small or getting like phasing further and further away from you. But you realize how large and expansive the city is and how like the white towers of the castle wards kind of catch the light, but how the city sprawl has gone out and just expanded across this part of the sword coast where you can see the grasslands and the farmlands slowly turn into trees and forests and mountains. Um, you can of course see the wreck and destroyed uh, ruins of the uh, Tarek theater in the, uh, the North end of the ward, which it's been like, Five years since that thing got destroyed, and there's still somehow smoldering smoke coming up from, uh, from the ruins. <laughs> it's a very cursed place. Uh, but you take a moment just to appreciate how large Waterdeep has grown over the and how it's recovered over the events of the years, as it very quickly just disappears beneath the cloud cover, and you very you are in bright sunlight. You've kind of got like that that airline uh, hum of the ship just going. Mm, as you got like that subtle vibration in, in all aspects of the boat. And Janai says, uh, very well. Uh, your cabins are sleeping quarters are downstairs. You have free reign of the ship as opposed to the parts I mentioned. Uh, the galley is on the lower deck. And I believe uh, Mr. Krasik is cooking up a meal right now. <gasps> well, uh, I am hungry ever since Marley denied us those sticky buns. So... That sounds good to me. All right. Let me bring you to the main deck. Can you all see the page that I'm on? Mm, maybe. It looks like the ship. The boat. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's got like a table at the back. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So uh, as you come down, um, these rooms are the, uh, the crew quarters. Um, you'll be assigned uh, two and three people to a room. So you both have, you have two rooms. The rest are filled out by the crew. Uh, and the bottom right, uh, let me ping it right there. Bing! That room right there is actually the galley. It's the kitchen. And it sounds like just a terrible mess is going on in there. It sounds almost like there is a full-on battle as you hear pots and pans uh, clinking. You can smell things cooking. There's every now and then little gouts of fire come out from underneath the door. Um, it sounds like a racket is going on in there. <laughs> I'm picturing like the scene from the little mermaid, like chasing around some fish. <laughs> oh, I was picturing something from castle in the sky. If anyone's... Mm. That's what I was thinking too. That's exactly what I was imagining. <laughs> Do you wish to open the door to the galley? To the galley, as opposed to like the kitchen area, right? Yeah, sorry, uh, sorry. To the kitchen area is what the uh, is what I meant. I'm no. scared of whoever's in there. <laughs> I mean, they're the renowned chef. I mean, we gotta get yeah. Uh, we, gotta, what, we gotta check them out. What language does does everybody speak, by the way? 
Um, I speak common and orcish. Uh, celestial, common, and infernal. Uh, gnomish, English, or common rather, and uh, I think Elven was the last language I took. <laughs> Giant, dwarven, and common. All right. So, oh, uh, I'm gonna add mine: common, um, draconic, and Sylvan. Sylvan. So, I think. It's like yeah. it's like ancient Elvish Fey type of type of language. Oh, okay, um, interesting. But for those that speak infernal and draconic, you hear some very old cusses that like your your grandparents dropped these cusses when they were kids like, <laughs> there is some and it's in many different languages that just like uh like just a deluge of swears coming out of the kitchen all right um i guess i'll open the door since i speak draconic i don't mind peering in and, and saying hello you open up the door and just kind of like the soapy sudsy water comes flooding out kind of like gets all your feet and ankles wet as you see this goblin with this large leather apron. He's got black welder's goggles on. He's got a welding torch in his hand and some type of weird fish-like creature that is literally punching him in the face. <laughs> he looks over like, yeah, what do you want? Uh, bat, 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 taken bat. aback by, by the fighting that's going on. Um, I ask him, do you need any help? It's like, ah, you know, these, these, the demonic fishes, they, they taste great, but oh, man, like, you, you literally puts the, the, the cutting torch to the front of the fish and it has just, like, sparks come off. This black and purple fire, like, smoke comes off. He's like, it just, it just takes a lot. And you see the fish fins are still just, like, bapping him in the face <laughs> as he's trying to fight with this thing. It, it takes a while, but, you know, eventually you get through the armor and it's, and it's just smooth sailing from there. All right, who are you? Are you guys the, the new, the new crew? Uh, yeah, I, I step up behind and I say, yeah, we're here, you know, just for this voyage. Uh, can you tell us anything about about what a voyage normally looks like? Like, what kind of inside information have you got? Oh, what have I got for inside information? Well, let me tell you, old crazy Kazakh here knows everything about this ship. You need rumors. You need gossip. You need the tea literally and metaphorically. I'm your goblin. <laughs> As you see this demonic, yeah, I want to hear it. Bat, 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 bat. It's like, uh, give me a persuasion check, please. Very busy punching fish here. Is literally a Stephanie knows New Jersey, so does she understand his accent? Madrigal. Sorry, I don't know why I keep doing that. Perfect. I'll take the fifteen. Um, <laughs> he says, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, uh, mimics everywhere on this boat. Yeah. We got infested a couple of years ago. It has yet to be solved. Man. Oh man. Those things are clever too. It's kind of like they've evolved how to avoid us, you know, shape changers on a boat. You'd think they'd be easy to find, but they find the most, the cleverest hiding spots. It is, it is not good. Um, other than that, you're pretty safe here. Captain's a good captain. Uh, engineer's a good engineer. Uh, Radass is a good master. I'm, I'm a great chef. Uh, and uh, the sea witch, is, uh, she makes sure that it's smooth sailing uh, all the way through the weather. So, uh, I mean, like you, you're locked out here. It's, it's really kind of just like a, a milk run more than anything. Have you ever a been sea in... witch? 
Oh yeah, yeah. She's uh she's usually like walking barefoot around. She's just kind of like in tune with the weather and the flows of the ocean. Uh she's uh you know, she's she's weird but nice. She's nice and weird in a nice way. Okay. Okay. And what's her name? And the cook's Kazakh, right? Krasik, Krasik. The sea witch's name is Dinah Valour. Alright. And you know, he's like, you know, every everyone calls her a sea witch. She's just a druid. She's just really in tuned with, with you know the ocean. A world. druid? Yeah. I've had a recent bad encounter with druids, so like uh, I don't know. I'm gonna Alright. She, she, like I said, she's weird, but if you talk to her about the water, she's really into that. Uh, she's actually quite okay. nice. Water. Right, right. Okay. She controls the weather really well. You know, if we really got to get out of where she like puts like a big gust of wind behind us and we go faster. And, uh, you know, we've... Oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, well, uh, we just had... You know, we're on the street is that you are an exceptional cook. And, uh, you know, we've heard a lot about your sticky buns. And also, I believe it was troll fingers. Ah, refry, crazy Krasics, refried troll fingers. The best finger food <laughs> that you never go, you never go hungry once you eat them. See, I found a way that well, you keep the troll regeneration thing going, but you put in like a bready crust and you deep fry it. So you eat it and it grows back and you digest it again and it grows back and you digest it again. So like it stays in your system for like a couple of years. Oh, is, is that like good for you? Oh, no, it's terrible, but it tastes mwah, my profession kiss. Mwah. But, like, wouldn't you only taste it the one time and then for two years you're just not hungry again? Yeah. But, you know, have you tasted food? It's delicious. Just keep on eating. But if I'm, like, full for two years, isn't that defeating the purpose of, you know, tasting food regularly? Well, then you better be tasting the right type of food because I've had a couple of these things. And I'm never satisfied. I gotta just shove it all in my mouth. Nom 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 nom. As you see that this this devil fish is still like bat 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 bat. Tell you what, well, I'll, I'll make you a plate. I'll make you some special sea salt sticky buns. It's like a little sweet. Yeah yeah yeah. A little savory. It's got some like some taffy in it. It's real good. You're speaking my language, man. This sounds amazing. Uh, just fair warning, one I do bake, I get a little acrobatic and the cusses start flying, so it's nothing personal. I just happen to swear while I cook. Yep, whatever brings you joy. Excellent. And you see, actually, the devil just kind of, kind of like breaks free and just tail slaps him right in the like, Ah, man! And you just see like a cuss of like a... A slew of swears goes off as the fish bounces down and jumps into the oven and is kind of like swimming around the coal. It's like, ah, it's going to take hours to get him out of there. All right, I'll, I'll start making your sticky buns. Right? Have a look around. There should be some baked goods out there already. All right. 
Uh, you open up to the, uh, the galley cafeteria eating area. It's a big, long wood table. And it's one of those tables that has seen its fair share of action. Uh, it's a little dented and warped in areas. Definitely has like knife and like the, that game where like, yeah, you, you put the knife around your fingers. There's very different <laughs> hole marks, uh, around the table. Carvings in it, uh, graffiti. It's, it's an old communal eating table, but, uh, there is an open window to, uh, to the kitchen area. And on this lazy Susan, you see an assorted uh, arrangement of baked goods, like muffins, danishes, cupcakes, all just kind of like that, that squeaky turn, like wee, 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 as they just kind of like do rotations around this, this domed glass. Um, and, and there are portholes, so you can see like the sky going by and everything like that as well. Um, Quano wants to investigate like the chair or like, you know, just things around within his vicinity for the mimic. All right. Give me an oh, investigation yeah. check, please. Eighteen. Ooh. So you begin to look around the chairs um, and you notice that the chairs are well built, but kind of are at their peak stress points of just been through the wear and tear of being a, an airship crew. Um, and just, it looks like they've seen a lot of action and a lot of use, not always for sitting. You do notice that there's a lot of, uh, chair scrape marks on the wood, on the wood floor. Uh, it's got, it's got kind of like a varnished veneer just like to, to keep it worn, uh, to keep it from wearing down. But you do notice that there's an interesting set of, um, scrape marks that looks like a chair was sort of walking, sort of dragging its legs and then just for all of a sudden stop a reason. I go to that chair and I like, Oh, it's, it's in the, it's kind of like in the middle of the galley. Like it's looks like something was walking and then just stops. Oh, so one of the, okay. So one of the chairs looks like, or some, there is like marks on the floor that indicate something. Yeah. Okay. All the chairs look beat down normal. Um, okay. and I'll say even without investigation check, you like, you go and you shake some of the chairs. None of them are sticky. Uh, they just seem to be regular dining room chairs or cafeteria chairs. Okay. Is it, is it just us in there or is there anybody it, else in there? It is just you, although you can see Krasik kind of like doing flips and, and like literally he's like got baseball sized pieces of dough and he's like pitching them into, <laughs> into a pot. Your caution is appreciated, Guano. I have also been thinking about the way to detect the mimics, and uh, what I have deduced is... As I hit the Arcana button. Ten. Nothing. I have come up with no plans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is... It's not all mimics... Uh, all mimics have the ability to turn into something, but you feel... Even with your ten, uh, Pishu... It's the fact that there have been mimics in a confined space, so they've got really good at observing and copying just things in an enclosed area just because they see them all the time. There's not kind of like that sensory overload. They've they've had a chance to observe and exploit everything on the ship. Uh, um, with 10, do I know like if they are like attracted to any smells or sounds? Um they're not they're more ambush predators, so they more lay a okay. trap than okay. actively seeking something out. 
good to know. Um, I believe I read something about trapping mimics once. Let me check if I can remember it. Which would be which one? Uh, Arcana, Arcana or yeah. nature? I'd say more than anything. Your uh, choice. Ooh, Ooh, 21. Nice. Ooh. Nice roll. <laughs> so, so I think I do know a way to trap them. Yeah, so essentially it's if you can figure out the area that the mimic is in, you can, they don't, because they're ambush predators, they don't like to move or give away their position. So if you can essentially like isolate an area, they're not going to run away out of fear. They're just going to try and out, try and out fool you type of deal like they're not they're very they're non-confrontational they're if they can't control the fight they're going to try and avoid it at all costs type of thing like their idea is like always getting the first the first attack so if you can yeah if you can figure out like the area they're in and you can isolate that area um you've kind of got them in a barrel at that point unless they're the barrel themselves all right so everyone keep your eyes peeled and we can, can make that extra 50 coins ours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. All right. Una's just kind of like looking around at everything like suspiciously, just like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. Well, I don't want to like fill up on this muffins and stuff. Like I really, Again, I don't want to, like, go on about these sticky buns, but, like, I wish you guys could have tried them. They were so good. And now I just really can't wait for these sea salt sticky buns. But And there are are baked goods in the Lazy Susan if you wish to have a snack beforehand as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just to lay out the the rest of this room if you wish to look around. So on the uh, right side or the uh, starboard side of the ship is the window where you can see into the kitchen. And it's got the Lazy Susan and baked goods and kind of like this metal kind of counter tray where food's brought out and presented. On the left side is kind of like the cutlery and cups and plates and all that. Those are all in like a a kind of cupboard drawer uh, on the left side. And then it's just essentially portholes that bring a good natural light into it. Uh, the big main table, uh, which looks like it's made out of some type of like oak, and all the chairs appear to be like somehow a single piece of lumber that has been carved and formed into a chair to make it durable and sturdy. And even though they are durable and sturdy, it looks like they've seen their fair share of, uh, of, of work and use. Can Una go over to one of the windows, like looking outside, just to take a look at the view? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you can open it up as well, and you feel like it's almost like that howling effect is like the wind is you're you're going by at quite a speed as you see like just clouds going by uh, in the view, and it's like it's a beautiful blue skies, not many clouds, and you can actually look down and like you can still see the ocean just like zipping by at incredible pace. Uh, you can see like the shadows of some clouds just like zipping by on the ocean. Every now and then you see like a water spout of a whale come up. Um, it is quite refreshing actually to, to stick your head outside and get that, that whipping sensation of, of cool, fresh air. It actually kind of like cools down the room a little bit as well for everyone else inside. Although the sound of the wind rushing by does create kind of like a roaring echoing effect. Hey. 
this is a uh, pretty neat. Like, you know, I was apprehensive immediately after we took off and I'm definitely still going to wear my harness a lot of the time. But uh, I got to say, this is pretty cool. Like, Pretty cool. It is a miracle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wano asked I mean, uh, if you can hold him up to the window because he can't see outside. Oh. Sure, man. <laughs> <laughs> like Una picks him up and she's like, "Here, dude." Like a dog with his tongue out. Just yeah. You can. It's it's <laughs> your, your head's small enough. Like you can it can fit through and like you can kind of do like the 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 dog head out the window type of type of deal. Uh, it is briskly cold the closer you get to the window uh it is the wind is snapping by at quite a pace well, i'm glad i have my coat mm-hmm. uh oh yeah that's right so yeah you are you're actually quite quite warmed by the whole sensation but it is that same beautiful view uh the coast of the, uh, the sore coast is very quickly fading away that you can't really tell where water deep is anymore just like there's like a landmass there as you are making your way south all right what do you think What's going to happen? You're going to, like, just... You know, there's no way this is just as easy as they're saying it is, right? Like, no. it's not just me. Yeah. No, I feel the same way as you. Um, Maraxis also is wondering if everybody can swim. Can everyone swim? Am I allowed to ask that? Yeah, if you, if you wish. Yeah, yeah. See, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, all creatures can swim in the game. Some have swimming speeds, um, oh, which means okay. that you don't... Um, basically, swimming is considered difficult terrain, so you co- it costs twice your movement when you swim. When you swim. Okay, good to know. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, also, yeah. If, you're, if you're wearing heavy plate armor, you're at a disadvantage to all swim checks as well. All right. Uh, eventually, the good thing we're in the air. Also true. Eventually, the sounds and smells of the kitchen begin to change uh, as you begin to smell this beautiful, sweet and salty bakery type of aroma begin to waft out. Uh, The swears and the the cascade of swears begins to lessen uh, as it sounds like Krasik is winding down uh, his uh, his baking. Uh, Took him about 15, 20 minutes. He's like, all right, kids. Order up! As you hear like this, this clank of metal bowls come boom, 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 as you see five. Uh, they look like cinnamon runs, but they kind of have like an emerald uh, icing on top of them. And there's, you're not sure if they're sugar uh, crystals or salt crystals, but they're all sprinkled. It almost gives like an ice diamond effect onto, uh, and they're Ooh. about, you know, like a good like hamburger, like double hamburger patty size thickness of a uh, of, of sticky bun. Oh. These look so good. It's all I've wanted all day. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you wish to, t- to partake? Yes, 100%. Like, Una grabs it and just immediately, like, sinks her teeth into it. It's just like, ow. Now, Una, you, you've had the sticky buns from Trollskull Manor. You've had Wendy the Good Witch's sticky buns in the Enchanted Forest. <laughs> uh, this is equally as good. A connoisseur? A completely different flavor. This has got kind of like a mint sea salt flavoring to it, where it's got left side of your mouth is salty, the right side of your mouth is sweet, and it's like you feel like the dough, like it's just still bakery warm, just expanding your mouth, like as just 
it feels as though once you bite into the sticky bun, more of it happens in your mouth and just kind of fills up all your, your taste buds and senses. You know, I left home to pursue my dream of, you know, music, but I kind of think that like maybe I'm missing my calling as a sticky bun bakery reviewer. Like <laughs> I kind of think that could be my dream job. Cause like, this is so good. Like if that is my life from now on, you know, like I think I'd be really happy, like really, really happy. Like, two um, things that that is not a calling and two i'm going to be examining the ship thank you for this delicious bun <laughs> okay i think it can be a calling and it's just rude of you to like dismiss my dreams like this uh who are you to say what can and cannot be a calling <laughs> i will decide that thank you well from hmm. from this old goblin's heart you are warming it with kindness i appreciate your appreciation of my hard work don't ask what goes into it because it will honestly terrify you a little bit uh but yeah i wasn't going to and now i'm definitely not going to but like... goes, tell us what's in it oh <laughs> give, give me a want to give me a persuasion check please all right roll a one <laughs> roll a one <laughs> persuasion oh sorry my here we go Fingers crossed, what we get? Come on. Oh. <laughs> Suspense is killing me. Uh, oh, the not a one tradition. Oh, oh so no! persuasive. <laughs> okay, okay. 18, rude. I won't go into details, but. No. Do you know, like, about slimes and oozes? Do you know if you crystallize them in the freezer, they turn into, like, a sugary substance? And, like, the more viscous and slimy it is, the sweeter the flavor you get. Like, that's not mint in there. That's all ooze. Like, we have scraped off the bottom of some ships. And let me tell you, it is mwah, my profession kiss. Delicious, delicious. Oh, well, you know what? I think, I think. And some sea salt. <laughs> I, I think uh, I, I think you're I'm calling full. just, uh, yeah, yeah, you can leave yeah. Yeah, like, I told you it wasn't a calling. <laughs> okay, I still stand by the fact that it could be a calling. I've just since decided that it might not be my calling, okay? Yes, very well. well I'm going to take a couple of the buns and like put them in my bag for later, just in case. This expanding thing really, really intrigues me. Like, could we use these buns later? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I take two and put it in my jacket. They, yeah, that just takes two as well. They are warm to the touch still, and like the the iciness still kind of like that hot, like still runny type off the sides. Like that, they're gonna stay like that for like a good three days. Like they they will still be oven warm in like three days if you take care of them. Um, I'd say best before five days, or else you know. Uh, <laughs> The slime does some things to your inner bacteria. Uh, with, um, pooping to death, I believe, is the term some of the crew members used. Not actually dying, but felt like they were dying, very dehydrated. So, you know, you got you got a window. You got, you got a safe window. Sooner better than later, as always with most cooking. 
Or save them for five days and give them to our enemies. That too. That too, if you wish to embarrass them. But just know if you need any sticky buns, cupcakes, cookies, brownies, Krasik is your goblin. Except Danishes. To hell with those things. I hate those things so much. Okay. Well, uh, this has been far too informative. <laughs> yes. We just wanted to eat. Okay, you aren't allowed to chime in. You did this to us. <laughs> Speaking of callings, I cannot believe I've spent so much time waiting around for pastries when I could be exploring this magnificent ship. Go on, explore then, man. Go. Like I have one more question for you. You're such a culinary genius, and you know so much about this ship. Have you ever been in either the captain's quarters or the balloon room? Was it the balloon room? Yes. Uh, have you ever been in either of those rooms? I, yeah, I've been. I've been in the captain quarters quite a bit. Like if, if, if Captain Moon, uh, Moon Swift invites you up, that's that's like a huge honor. Uh, I'm usually up there sometimes when she's got to like schmooze guests or VIPs, or you know she's doing like a nice romantic night with her wife. Like I'll cook him something special. Um, but yeah, I've been at balloon room. Yeah, I've been down there, but eh, it's it's a big empty balloon thing with metal and and stuff it's magical stuff beyond my comprehension it's like it's it's big and it's echoey eh. wait to look into there i do i do know that it's pretty uh pretty off limits to everybody else like you got to understand what it is before you go in there yes no of course i wouldn't go in without permission but the mind does wander eh that's not for me me, you see him taps the uh, the side of the uh, of the kitchen wall. Pots and pots and glasses fall down. Like this is all I need right here. This is all I want. Oh, I have you a question. You and the punch and fish. Um, that's, how that's many times have, <laughs> How many times have you made this tr- uh, trip to this island to give boxes? Oh, down to Chult. Oh, a ton of times. I mean, like we can do it pretty pretty fast, you know, because we can fly. Uh, the only other times we get held up are like you know, like sky pirates. Uh, air elementals have gone rogue. Um, you know, various other, you see him look around, give him like the side eye, gives the air quotes like side hustles in case we get distracted or make extra gold or murder people for money. Okay. Do you know what we're oh. transporting? Oh, I don't. I, I, I heard we're doing like a cargo run down to Chult. So, like, what's the situation down in Chult? Like, all we've heard is there's some people in a jungle, and they're not doing so hot, and also they don't want to leave that jungle. So, yeah, like, are there any rumors? Oh, man, Chult, everything happens down. Oh, that's, like, the past, like, couple of years. Like, oh, like, the big death curse happened. Uh, you know, gold was being thrown left, right, and center for people trying to figure out a way to cure it, get rid of it, because it's, like, and you would all know just from, like, the lore of the world is that the death curse happened and uh, people who died could not be resurrected and people who were resurrected slowly started to decay until they died. Um, so the world was in quite a hassle and they somehow figured out that the origins of the death curse happened in Chult. So people were just throwing adventuring parties down to the jungle just to like some someone's got to come up with a cure for this thing uh and one did uh in uh in season four congratulations group a uh Boo. 
but it also kicked off that the jungle was very explored and it just started the stampede of adventuring parties going into the jungle to look, you know, fame and fortune, uh, exploit ruins, uh, dig for treasure, uh, bring whatever treasure and resources they could and getting paid for it, uh, whatnot. So that's where a lot of the big adventuring boom came from was the, the after effects of, of the death curse. So it's not uncommon. Uh, the Zentrim and the knife in Waterdeep set up like teleportation portals down deep into like those, the heart of the jungle. So transportation in there was easy. Unfortunately, payment for getting back out again was about five times the price as, you know, uh, various uh, criminal masterminds would, would organize such things. Um, but it is just like Prince Edward Island. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but it is essentially a place where adventurers go to try and and it the amount of people that went in made the jungle didn't make the jungle less deadlier. It is known for its dinosaurs. It's known for its undead. And when an adventurer dies, it joins the undead side. Uh, so it is still just as lethal as it has ever been. But more and more people are flooding into it every day. It's just trying to like make a. It's kind of like the old gold prospecting of like the 1880s in the Yukon of like, like, Oh, there's gold there. Maybe I'll go up and try. And then literally you have to cremate Sam McGee or else he'll turn into a zombie and eat you. <laughs> Canadian. And for context, Laura, I was, was going to say, I is that a Canadian this. thing? Yeah. Prince Edward Island is our <laughs> smallest province in Canada and it's free to take the 13 kilometer bridge to Prince Edward Island, but you have to pay something like 75 or $80 to get off the Island. So <laughs> one way is free. The way back to the rest of Canada is not. Wow. I mean, it is technically a toll bridge and it does cost a lot of money to upkeep, but also I find it very funny that to leave yes. you have to pay. <laughs> You know, they put all the warning signs on the island about the fee. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of reminds me of Hotel California. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so yes, that was a Canadian reference. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so that's essentially the the brief history of, of Chult in the jungle in there that many people go down. And uh, Janiya Moonswift has actually made quite a business out of kind of like being contacted magically to drop off supplies for people so they can keep their adventure runs going in the jungle. All right. Uh, yeah. Can see, we go take, you see, oh, like you, you seem like a bit shy. Like, you know, you're working for sky pirates, right? Like pirates are all cool. Piracy here. Uh, that was, I would politely say danced around. Yeah. I don't think I quite got that impression. Yeah. In fact, yeah, yeah. We didn't get that pressure at all. Ugh. Well, I mean, like, they're not, they're not bad pirates. I mean, like, you know, legal pirates are just called privateers. And like, hey, that's what Waterdeep's all about now. Like, you guys are monsters on the sea, which is why the airship business is taken off, literally, because Jarlaxle is making just a bloodbath of the oceans. Uncle Dad. <laughs> Good work, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> It's not my fault. No, it's it's also my fault. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, yes, well, it is definitely time for me to uh, tour this glorious. Uh, yeah, are, are our rooms like next door, right here? Oh yeah, those are your rooms right over there. Uh, and also, hey, uh, super nerd, if you want to talk to the head engineer, uh, you. <gasps> 
you want to talk to Ileana Dafe, she's the captain's wife and head engineer. Uh, she's a dark elf a couple of levels down. Just look for the room that's making a lot of noise and a lot of like smoke coming out of it. That's the engine room. Thank you, bye. I must be there right away. As I just go right there. <laughs> you see uh, Pichu like, boom, beeline out the door. Yeah. <laughs> Taking the dash action. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is there anything else you wish to do inside the uh, the galley eating area? I eat a, uh, a roll and uh, take a swig of ale. And they have ale, right? It's, oh yeah, it's got it's got kind of like that uh, that orange Kool Aid type of like dispenser. It's like just kind of like a big bucket <laughs> with a spigot at the bottom of it. Oh yeah, it's it's not good even by dwarven standards. Like it's it's drinkable. It'll get you drunk, but, you know, you probably wouldn't serve to someone you're angry at. That's fine. Can we, like, go take a look at, like, our rooms and go inspect those? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so your rooms have been clearly marked as the uh, the Troll Skull uh, crew. Uh, you've got two rooms. Um, and on the inside, it's literally uh, some writing tables, some chairs, and then just hammocks for beds everywhere. One hammock has uh, two in it. The other has three in it. Um, they'll have big, instead of like the porthole windows from the um, uh, the eating area, they've actually got big glass sliding windows. And when you slide them open, you actually see that there's actually an illusion effect on the outside of the ship. So you can't tell where the windows are, but you can stick your head out and you can see like, it looks like you're sticking your head through solid wood but there's that shimmer of illusion and glamour as you feel like the wind whipping in oh. your face so you can have like a better view of the outside interesting yeah, they're not... can we do like an investigation of these rooms for some of these mimics and stuff too absolutely give me an investigation check please oh why did i suggest this i have a negative one <laughs> <laughs> Let's see 19 a three <laughs> Uh, Madrigal, you take notes from the, uh, the eating area and you notice that these rooms have been perfectly cleaned. Uh, there's no marks on the floor. The hammocks are all still. Um, and you also see because of what you know about mimics and their ambush type of predator status, the room's too bright. There's no good gotcha areas in here. It's too, it's compact. Uh, and there's no real good place. There's not enough objects or or decoration in here to kind of just blend in and not stick out. Um, so you just get the feeling that it's very unlikely an, a mimic would set up an ambush in here. It's just it's too it's too obvious. It's not. It doesn't feel like it can hide as well or blend in as well as other places. Mm. With my knowledge of the mimics, I, I feel like I feel really good about these rooms. Like I think well, these are good rooms for us. I, I feel feel all right posting up here. So um, okay. my opinion, right. that we're okay. You know, Una kind of like tests one of the hammocks, kind of just like you know checking it out, being like, "Hi, okay." Well, I'm satisfied. Uh. Uh, Una, hey, nerd. 
actually, I was gonna say, Una, as you feel the hammock, you actually feel that you're expecting like a soft, like a hard, gristly twine. You actually feel it's like silky and smooth and rather comfortable. And like as you put more texture and roll it in between your fingers, you discover that these hammocks are all made of like a very thick and fine spider silk. Ooh, so nice. That's very <laughs> pricey for a ship. I wonder that that gives me pause. Why would they be treating us so well? Yeah, they went all out for us. Yeah. And not that we're not amazing, but... I guess they got that pirate money. They got that pirate booty, you know? Oh, but <laughs> why would they want to impress us so much by giving us, like, one of the, some of the best rooms? Like, it's so different from, you know, every, every other part of the ship, or at least what we've seen so far. Yeah, I want to take a look around. Yeah, I agree. All right, absolutely. Where else do you wish to go in the ship? Oh, I know where Peachy wants to go. I'm but... already there. Like, uh, I've gone yeah, Peachy, straight to the Peachy, engine room. Oh, he's, like, he's there. Yeah, let's go there. Yeah, I've, done, yeah. I've done the cardinal sin of yeah, splitting the party. Can <laughs> we look at, like, the other rooms, like, to see if they're similar? Yeah, yeah. One second. Let me get the that map. So as you go... Um, to just exp- peek in. Yeah. You don't need to. They appear to be, um, some of the rooms look like they're lived in, uh, that they have like um, personal effects inside the rooms. Uh, all the rooms do have locks on them, but none of them are locked. Uh, and they appear to be clones of each other. Like all the rooms appear to be exactly the same. Same silken uh, hammocks. Um, some of the tables have just like personal effects and letters on them and, and uh, um, foot, uh, foot lockers and stuff. And the foot lockers are locked. Um, but the rooms all appear to be a clone of each other. Some have different types of styles of drapes on them and everything like that, but uh, aside from people living in them, they all look exactly the same. Okay, that's good. It's got like that that hotel quality type type to it. Okay, bring you I guess they just go to the engine like room. treating yeah. everyone nice. Boom. The Do we want to go check out the balloon room? Or Wait, no, we're not going to the balloon room. Where did... We're going room. to go meet the engineer. Engineer, yeah. So I've brought you up to the map. So the back part, this big room back here, is the engine room. You see that there's uh, pipes and machinery and smoke. It's like a large clank, 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 clank. It's floor to ceiling. It's about about 10 feet tall worth of, uh, worth of working room. Everything's been compacted in this area. Um, and you notice that there's... Uh, in like the cardinal directions of northeast, northwest, southeast, and southwest, each have their own kind of individual like engine pump area to work each one of the turbines. Um, there is a big, big metal grate slash door in the middle of the room uh, that is, it's clearly uh, has demarcations of being to the balloon room. Uh, and you see uh, this dark elf in big, thick overalls, um, white cotton shirt but it's just smeared with grease and oil uh she's got like a face covering over her head she's got like this very short kind of like pixie cut uh white hair that kind of like spikes out uh she's got this brilliant and beautiful uh indigo skin as she's got gloves on and she's just hammering away at a piece of metal just kind of bending it into shape um she when uh, the oh sorry uh, she, she and, Go ahead. And she's got uh, just like that kind of like that that uh, Michael Phelps Usain Bolt, like just like back muscles of it, just 
she is in constant motion and constantly working metal and working machinery at all times. You see her flip uh, flip the face mask up and she's got uh, half of a cigar still burning. Uh, and she's got these uh, silvery runes that run all the way across her face and down her neck. And then as she kind of like adjusts and flex a little bit, you can see like those silver runes kind of reach down her arms uh, going underneath her gloves and, and whatnot. And she's like, you the new people? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> My name is uh, Pishu. I, I, <laughs> actually, when I see the, the group arrive, I say, no, I wasn't crying. <laughs> <laughs> uh and then i'm like yes my name is pichu and this is i must say quite the vessel i i have never seen quite so many gears and levers and i, I really have a million questions it's like oh i appreciate okay. someone who appreciates good craftsmanship you know it takes a lot of work to keep this thing flying through the air i i can imagine have you ever considered a divination based navigation system son we've already got one <gasps> okay. Alright. <laughs> Dial it back like a lot. Like just don't it down. We leave you here in this room. You hey, need some time yeah, to yourself. Can... <laughs> hey, if that I if that happy. Happy. let let me let me throw three words at you that are are going to blow your mind. Are you sitting down, brace yourself? Three words. Uh, yes, uh yeah, he sits down crisscross applesauce. <laughs> she, just, she just holds up three fingers. Arcane fusion engine. Yeah, it's like the uh, that meme with the galaxy brain. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we take okay. arcane energy, fuse it with a physical fuel, and use that as a source of propulsion. Uh, uh, he pulls out one of his magical uh, tinkering items and starts like tweaking and, and like uh, it, like it's showing little little calculations on this like sort of projectile screen that comes out of it as he's just like sort of thinking of the crazy possibilities of of what she's describing. Yeah, it's like you're seeing I, the uh, Matrix for the first time. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're breaking our friend's brain here. Oh, and hey, I like to show off the Stargazer as much as possible. This is my boat. I like to make sure she stays in the air, and if I get to show her off, let her flex some muscle, I'm totally down for it. As you see, take like another puff on her on her cigar. Have we gotten her name? Did anybody? Uh, it is Ileana. 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 Thank you. Ileana. And she's the wife of uh, Captain Moonswift. Right? Yes. Correct. So, uh, office romance, eh? Uh, well. Not so much an office romance as a prison escape romance. Oh, go on. That sounds like yeah, a yeah. really romantic introduction, and I yeah. am most definitely curious about it. Who has like time for romance? He's describing the fusion. <laughs> uh, did you miss the part about prison? I have yeah, questions. Yeah, we love a good meet cute. I'd love to yeah, hear Yeah, we do. <laughs> so, you see her kind of like she takes off her... Um, uh, her 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 mask shakes her hair like just her hair gets more white as more soot uh, falls off of it takes off her gloves and you see that she's got like these blue arcane runes around her ring finger uh, and if you speak sylvan uh, <gasps> you see it's actually um, written uh, in three words together to the end or sorry four words together to the end oh 
Uh, if anyone has Arcana, you can also roll on that as well. Oh. Sure. Uh, let's do it. Oh, yeah. Pishu's got it. Mia does not, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> uh, Madrigo, was that your eight for Arcana as well? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Pisha, you recognize this as like a bonding ceremony spell. And essentially, it's a tattoo that's shared usually between uh, two partners, two betrothed to each other. Uh, it lets them share senses, lets them talk magically to each other. Um, you, have, you always know like their emotional state at the same time. So, it's just like a constant communication spell between the two. And if it's tattooed, that means it's there forever. Um, Did we notice that the captain had one? Uh, captain was wearing gloves yeah. and had the had her hands behind her back as well. Mm-hmm. They have other sort of magical features. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, that is very charming. Uh, could I have a tour, please? So, so yeah, <laughs> let, me, let me let me tell the prison story. It's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I want to know prison, that. Uh, Just uh, calm down. <sighs> so. <laughs> Janai is a sun elf. Uh, she was part of an adventuring party going down to the Underdark. Uh, and uh, I was a uh, dark elf in a house that was not doing very well. Uh, we had been taken over by another house and they took all the family members. I wasn't exactly a high ranking family member. Uh, I since changed my name. Uh, but, you know, I was somehow blood related to a few people. So they decided I had to go. Uh, and then this adventure party literally kicked open the door, looked for trouble. Um, and our eyes just kind of met across the jail and she got me out. And when her adventuring party had finished and they decided to go about back up to the surface, uh, she decided to stay with me in the underdark. Uh, and we evaded the law. We evaded, uh, the, the, the authorities that were trying to track me down for about 25 years together. And we just kind of, uh, we kind of bonded, um, and it was one of those love at first sight, but we didn't really tell each other until a good five or six years afterwards. And she said, you know, of all the things I wish I could see, what did I want to see the most? And then that's when I just knew I fell in love with her. And I said, I wish I could see the stars in your eyes. I've never, I've never seen the night sky before. So Maraxis wipes a tear from her eye, just like quietly hopes that no one sees it. (laughs) She took me to the surface uh, on a beautiful star filled night on a summer's day. And I've never been more taken aback by just the celestial bodies in the sky. I've never seen anything like that. And that's when I knew that no matter where I was, I had to be by her side. And that's when we, that's when she also made the commitment that she would show me the night sky for the rest of my life. So we went to the seediest bar we could. We got involved with some pirates, uh, may have cheated at a couple of gambling games and made off with someone's airship. Uh, and the stargazer was born and, uh, she always makes sure that there's no clouds around when the moon comes out, just so I can always see the stars. This yes, yes, a... very boring. What about the balloon? Oh, What's in there? <laughs> so you, the collective roll of eyes in the room almost like lifts <laughs> the ship to one side. All right, well, uh, it's like, no, yeah, that's yeah. A great detail, John. I uh, <laughs> really appreciate that. <laughs> I really do. It's beautiful. 
so beautiful. That's Miles speaking, not Pichu in any way. No, she- no, that, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, you gotta play the character. <laughs> I say, yeah, yeah, the bullet. Okay, so first of all, my ship, my rule. Well, our ship, our rules. My ship, my rules. Uh, balloon room's off limits. That's just you don't you don't mess with the balloon room. That keeps us in the air. Well, love keeps us in the air, but the balloon keeps us afloat. <laughs> are, you, are you saying that you are magical? <laughs> that the emotions from your love power the ship? Uh, no, the arcane fusion engine powers the ship. I'm just saying it's theoretically too. possible. <laughs> hey, what if what if they got in a fight? Wouldn't we just like crash? Like, yes, that'd be quite terrifying. Trust me, emotion emotion keeps the ship maintained. It does not power the ship. I'm happy for that. Truly. Yeah, I think everyone on board would be as well. I mean, like, no one likes to be told to be happy. You know, happiness will continue, will continue, or the whippings will continue. Our morale will improve. Or what's the line? So, uh, whippings will continue, floggings will continue until morale improves. So how long have you had the Stargazer? Like oh. you said, you stole it. So, you know, how long has it been? yours she says with like a big wink uh well it's been ours for i'd say 10 15 years now we outlived the previous co-captains um have made a name for ourselves amongst the sky pirates of the sword coast uh there are always a few who wish to uh claim the stargazer and make it their own it is the fastest ship out there as much as we can claim we're pirates we're probably more mostly cargo shippers more than anything these days because businesses apparently the the ocean travels has been much more dangerous if you're not part of the lord's alliance so everyone's hiring us so i've heard so much higher the fastest ship how, how many days till we you know how long till we get to our destination oh about two or three days it's usually about a three or four week voyage on by boat oh that's very efficient i mean it's no instantaneous portal spell that like the zentarim have set up but you know you can ship more cargo this way. Pichu, I can see you practically vibrating. Like, I, just, I know I, you have questions. Are there any, like, schematics you can show me? Or, I don't know, like, something like that! As, as the ship is my witness, you will never see any schematics for this ship. Those are secrets that go with me to the grave. Wait, are you... I, is, is this ship of your own design? Or just of your own... Uh, tweaking i've got three words for you arcane uh-huh. fusion engine yes 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 uh you know maybe later we could, i could buy you a drink and we could talk about how you achieve such a thing that we can do hey don't you see the like ring around tattoo around their arm or hands or something I mean, I, I didn't mean, I mean, if you're interested, of course, I wouldn't say no or anything, but it's, it's fine. I'm, I'm, always willing, where I'm, going. I'm always willing to talk shop, but that's as far as it goes. I'm not sharing any secrets about how to build it or anything like that. He's a, we want to stay the, the fastest ship in the fleet or in the skies, and we're going to keep it that way. Yes, yes, okay. Of course, of course. So, uh, let's. We hear you have a mimic infestation. Oh man, the mimics that we've been dealing with that for years now. You see, kind of like you can see, like just the vein in her forehead just begins to pulse out a little bit. 
It was a mistake. Someone brought it on as like kind of a pet and then they multiply, you feed it after midnight and then they just spread everywhere and then you don't know where they go. Is there any possibility they're in the balloon room and maybe we could take a look just to be sure? (laughs) Actually, just to help you out. We want to help you deal with this problem and you know that's what you've hired us for so if you want to give us some access to maybe the balloon room and your cabin we'll take care of that mimic problem for you well i can tell you that the balloon room collapses anytime we land in the water uh so they'd be crushed instantly if there was any mimics down there Mm. okay but you know maybe we can find uh you know mimic remains there you definitely find them they kind of like turn into like a pile of anamorphous goop uh it's kind of like multi-technicolored uh they just kind of lose lose co- uh, cohesion once they're dead they kind of like blurp on the ground into like a a puddle of like semi-solid nature so like do you have an estimation of how many you think you have like what are we talking here are we talking five are we talking 10 are we talking 50 are we talking well, based, bigger numbers than that. Based on the passengers who've disappeared over the past couple of weeks, I'd say we probably have about three. Three. Okay. Is there a room? And, well, you said disappeared passengers. Oh yeah. Sometimes we do like a like a, like a passenger service from one place to another. And they disappeared. Oh, they got eaten. They were fully eaten. But you oh. know. So I. Wow. I mean, I was okay. Can you get their money up front? Oh, yeah, of course. And we assure you, like, there's risk of going on a Sky Pirate ship. I mean, like, do we say the risks are mimics? But most people assume it's just Sky Pirating. Like, oh, that's cool. We're going to be part of Pirate. No, no, no. You may may get eaten by a mimic. Oh, wow. That wasn't part of the brochure. Yeah, that wasn't even briefly mentioned. You know, like, they were like, you know, Pirates. If you find one, you get a prize. Yeah, yeah. That's true. If we can get rid of them all, that would be that would help. They were just kind of like, you know, we had this ocean dressed lady <laughs> and she was just like, go to the boat with no masks. Everybody's great there. They're wonderful. And it's a real easy security job. Like nobody mentioned pirates. Nobody mentioned being in the air. Nobody mentioned mimics and nobody mentioned getting eaten by those. Well, I mean, if you got mimics, mimics eat people. Uh, I think the rest yeah, but of it's Did you see where well. the disconnect is where nobody told us about the mimics? <laughs> but you're here talking about them now. Well, yeah, but we were tricked into that part because we were already on the ship. You yeah, know? if we would have known there were mimics, we would have never came. That's not true. I probably would have uh, come because I'm poor and my uh, musical business hasn't taken off, you know, like I really wanted it to. So, you know, I kind of just like need the money, but like, I would have a heads up would have reconsidered. Been nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me put it to you this way: whenever you're dealing with pirates, there's usually another layer underneath the truth. Well, you see, again, we weren't told about the. You know what? That's <laughs> we we won't go there. That's us. So, that's on us. We didn't do uh, our due diligence. Yeah, we didn't ask enough, maybe. Tale. Uh, uh, so I, I think in the in the you know now that we're being honest with each other, um, I think you should give us access to the places we need to go to deal with these mimics. Like yeah, so we've been in 
you know, so many rooms and we, we want to make sure we clear all the other spaces for you. Yeah. Sh- yeah. Should we check the captain's quarters? Uh, Let's go there. I'll say, Madriel, give me a persuasion check, but made with disadvantage because she really does not want to show you the balloon room. How do I do that? With the uh, so you get two numbers in roll 20. You always take the left side number. For disadvantage, you're just going to take the lowest of the two. 14. That's <laughs> pretty good. You see her, you see uh, Ileana begin to weigh the positives and the negatives. She's like, all right, I'm going to give you 10 minutes in the balloon room. If you don't find a mimic in there in that time, it is hermetically sealed. So I'm going to let you in. I'm going to go down there with you. But you get 10 minutes to look. That's it. If you don't find it, back up you come. Deal? <laughs> yep. And then how long um, and then how long in the captain's quarters? Well, the captain's quarters, that's you have to ask uh Janiah Moonswift for that one. That's okay. that's your own personal residence. So I don't know how you would feel if someone went snooping around your own personal I mean, I had just assumed because of that beautiful and heartwarming story that you told us that it was your room as well. Yeah, and I'd say that's no good. to that as well, but I share the area. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you You've made a convincing Listen, argument. we've got the balloon room. Let's settle it back okay. to the balloon room. Okay. <laughs> the balloon room. <laughs> you see her walk over and pull out this huge, massive wrench. This thing's about like four or five feet in length. Um, thick and heavy. She's got to like crank it down onto the uh, the gasket seal. And as she, she begins to like flex as a, like a lever. You can see like her muscles begin to strain and like sweat just kind of pours off. And she hears finally like, creep this metallical, mechanical sh- metal shrieking as the nut finally gives way. She begins to unscrew it and then slides it off to the side. And you feel this cold just emanate up as you see the lights begin to automatically turn like choom, choom, choom. And it's a ladder down. And you see it's essentially just kind of like this four-way uh, gangplank of uh, north, south, east, and west. Um, I don't, I don't think I need to draw it up for you. But Pishu, or actually, well, um, Ileana goes down first, clank, 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 clank. And Pishu, I imagine you're you're following down. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right on her heels. <laughs> so it's essentially just a big superstructure with this kind of like cloth that looks like also metallic fiber at the same time. Um, give me a perception check, please. Bright oh, okay. as day in here. Um, can I uh, sort of uh, pull out one of my... Um... A magical device to create kind of a shield uh, for my eyes as I cast one of my favorite spells I haven't cast in so long. <laughs> Guidance. Nice. Yes. Uh, bu- 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 Fifteen. And then uh, plus D four. Eighteen. <laughs> nice. Uh, so the very first thing that you feel is the cold, and you hear kind of like this like pulsing womp, 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 womp. As you, it's coming from below you, as you pitch your head over the side and you look down, you see kind of like this like light blue crystal and a canister around it. It looks like it's maybe about six to seven feet tall, three to four feet in diameter, and there are magically attached tubes and pipes coming in, like they're all pulsing out. Um, almost like as a heartbeat and that's when it clicks into you that you actually can see the faces of ghosts and spirits on the inside of this crystal 
and you definitely go, oh, this is Necrotech. There's, there is, there are ghosts fueling this thing. Uh, that's not a deal breaker for Pishu. <laughs> as you, as the as rest the, of you all come like, down. Oh, fascinating. As the rest of you all come down, you also hear like that. Womp, 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 womp. Oh, it's like think of it. What? Think of it as being like inside a zeppelin, but the hull of the ship is above you, oh. and it's very cold. It is super cold in here. Ooh. Uh, okay, well, warming me up. Actually, yeah. Um, if you do, if you do eat your sticky buns, they warm you up instantly. Kind of like that that rum whiskey feeling of like just going down your throat and just like warming up your stomach and warming up your extremities. Okay. But it's looking around. Oh, sorry. Say that again. Ken, go ahead. I was like, we got ten minutes in here. We gotta like, we gotta get moving. What's our plan? Yeah, it is big, empty, and those gangplanks go to like the edge of like each. You you think it's more structural more than anything, um, but there is not a whole lot in this balloon area. Can something down here, but what? Uh, you can give me a perception check as well, Madrigal, if you wish, or a nature check if you wish as well. Uh, if you want to, if you want to relate it to, oh, uh, I wish I could take that natural twenty, but I can't. Um, <laughs> so the best you can think of right now is that uh, the collapsing nature of it, the cold factor. Uh, it's big and it's empty, so there's lots of rooms that could hide, but. The fact that this is like kind of off limits area that not a lot of foot traffic comes down here, so it's not exactly like an ideal or optimal spot for a mimic. Okay. There's nothing a mimic yeah. would make itself attractive to be, to be down here. I have a feeling it's the captain's quarters. I just felt like when the sh- when the when the Krasik told us like that's where all the fancy stuff happens, I was like, I wonder if they're like luring people up there. I mean, I don't know. Uh, you see, Eliana said, "Well, I mean, like." The last couple of places we lost people were the cargo hold, the galley, and then one of the personal rooms. Oh, so the galley. We did see some marks down there. One of the personal rooms. Do you know which one? Oh, yeah. It was uh, the one right next to the kitchen, uh, just like on the left side of it. Okay, so you said the galley, the cargo hold. And one of the personal rooms next to the kitchen on the left side. That's not one of our rooms, is it? No, you're on you're on the opposite side. Oh, you're on the opposite side. Okay. Yeah, you're across okay. the hall from it. In okay. fact, one of your rooms <laughs> is across the hall from one of the. From oh. Uh, Pishu is is not listening. Is looking at the fusion engine uh, and just like examining, getting real close to those ghosts. <laughs> well, it's it's actually below you. You gotta like almost like oh. pitch yourself mm-hmm. over. Um, okay, can, yeah, yeah. That's why I definitely I'm like precariously lazily, yeah. lazily, but but you can yeah, easily start start the math in your head that the materials that she's talking about is probably the thing like something that has to fuse with arcane magic is probably like ghost ectoplasm, ghost material, spectral matter, and it's just that right consistency enough that it, you think if you had time to experiment could burn with incredible efficiency. Um, Juana wants to scare Pichu as they are looking over. What, what do you want to do to scare him? Like scare, like they're looking over, right? And looking at the dead, right? So I want to like, yeah, ooh, 
like coming up from behind and, and scare them. Yeah, you feel uh, Guan coming in, boo, as you kind of like almost lose your your grip on the bar. Uh, looking over, uh, Guano, yeah. you 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 know ghosts when you see him. There is definitely a crystal with ghosts below this platform, below this 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 gangplank. Yes, boo indeed. <laughs> this is the best day ever. <laughs> and they say, "All right, oh, well, okay. we've probably seen enough no mimics down here, so let's." Head on back up to uh, to the engine room. Fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. So, uh, I'm assuming we're just like walking and talking. So, what time? Was there any consistency in like the time? Was there anything kind of going on when everyone went missing? Well, uh, we were doing a like a, a public like commuter transport thing, and the uh, the reason why we think it's three or why I think it's three is that a mimic takes about a week to eat and we lost three people in three days and then a big gap after that. So that's why I believe we have three, but they went one, two, three, like right after each other. Bap, bap, bap. Interesting. And when was the last time people went missing again, you said? Oh, a couple of weeks ago. So if they haven't eaten since and, you know, all the regulars are still here, they're probably kind of hungry right now. Huh. Quick question. Did, the yeah, quick question. Did you invite us here to be fed to the mimics? Just it seems like a thing a pirate might do. Oh no, we want to get rid of the mimics. The mimics are terrible. They're mm. cutting into our into our commuter business. Like mm. if you if the rumor of you have a mimic on your ship goes, like you're never gonna get another passenger ever again. Well, good thing all of the last ones died. I know. Count the small blessings, am I right? <laughs> are they now feeding anyway i don't care uh yes let us look at these mimics shall we go to the cargo hold maybe yeah, look around there cargo hold and that way we can check on the support like you know the stuff we're supposed to be protecting and make sure it all looks good it's true formulated yeah. plan the cargo hold is just north in the uh the bow area of uh of the ship um, and as you look there, you can see crates upon crates, uh, some have been stacked against the walls and they have uh, canvases and are tied down. Uh, the cargo that you're in charge of protecting is like right in the middle of the cargo hold. It has the basics of rope just to keep them from tying down, but no canvases or anything like that. Um, it is actually a bit darker in this area because there's no need to light it up because it's cargo. Um, you do notice that there are a series of backpacks strung along the side of the wall next to each door. Uh, there's various buckets and ropes, um, folded canvas, uh, ropes thrown strewn, rope that's been tied up and neatly put away. There's a, a bucket of crankcase oil and some, and like a bucket of screws and nails uh, next to each other. Um, and just, it's got, like I said, like it's got that Indiana Jones, uh, and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark feel just like crates and boxes everywhere. Can I do like an arcana check to see if I get like a vibe off of any of the boxes? Um, yes. Give me an arcana check. This will take a bit. I'll say it'll take you 10 minutes to do this because it's quite a bit of going around. 12. So you see uh, Madrigal go walking around just trying to like get the mag magical feeling. Nothing feels magical in this room. There's no vibe or no pulse of arcane magic um you you don't even you actually are surprised you don't even feel the vibe from like the big magical source of power coming from the engine room or 
the uh, balloon room below you. Hmm. It's almost as if something maybe is shielding it. You'd think that. Uh, you get the you get the feeling that that twelve that there's possibly some protections on on this room. But it is dark. There's many nooks and crannies around. This is, to you, this is like primo ambush area. Yeah. I'm going to... Oops, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to do some more magical tinkering. Although, how do I make this go? There we go, maybe. So I'm going to wind up these, like, little ball device things they have and they shed light uh all around so there's like three little balls emanating light i've put around the room that uh are now uh shedding light probably pretty much throughout the space they um shed magical life for 10 feet around them so perfect uh, you shed light around. Um, you light up some of the boxes. You light up uh, like the the buckets of oil and nails and screws. You light up some of the the backpacks, which now have a uh, a sign that you can see above them that says parachutes. Uh, you can see like the two big sliding <laughs> doors on the side where the cargoes come in. And right at the northwest corner, you see one porthole. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'll look at that porthole. All right. Uh, you look at the porthole. You can see like the the sky and the clouds and uh, the ocean going by and like the the coastline of water deep in the background. Still so magical. Can like do you like a perception check for the area too or? I'll say investigation or insight check, Una. Oh. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, insight is better for me. I have at least a one in that and not a negative one. <laughs> Damn it, nine. still only a nine. <laughs> it's hard to pick up anything in the room. It's still got like that vibrating thing. The only thing I'd say is that sticks out to you is that, that usually there's like usually like mirroring portholes or windows. That's just by itself. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Well. What do you think's up with that, guys? There's something wonky with this room, right? Like, yeah, something feels off. Um, here, I'm gonna uh, pull out uh, another thing and start uh, using like kind of like a magnifying glass, essentially, <laughs> as my uh, magical magnifying glass as my investigation check. Right. I'd actually say uh, the the magnifying glass would give you investigation, or sorry, uh, give you advantage on the investigation check. Ah, well, I mean, in this case, it's it's, it's the guidance spell that I'm describing. But oh, if okay. you want to give me advantage, I'll I'll, t- I'll take it. <laughs> uh, actually, thirteen. Oh, thirteen's good enough. Is All that right. <laughs> you look at the porthole with the magnifying glass, and it's like this beautiful landscape. You can still see like the towers of Waterdeep, the coastline. Uh, the ship's there, and then that's when it hits you that you can still see the details in Waterdeep City. That it is still close by, and that's when you see the tongue reach out from the side of the porthole and stick to the side <gasps> of your face. Uh, and that's where we're going to call it for this week. <laughs> <sighs> I found it with my face. 
The Diecast Podcast was produced by Miles Baker, Stephanie Cook, and Johnny Robertson. Music provided by Sirenscape.com.